Welcome to Creative Welly, episode 17. My name is DK and you're listening to the audio version of the video podcast that is Creative Welly, Courageous Conversations with Bold Humans. In this episode, we get to chat with Victoria Speckman and Dr. Mark Bradford. Both recognize creatives in their field and it's a wonderful conversation including discussions around Aikido, collaboration, communication, creative industries, culture development, education, leadership and psychological safety. Big shout out to John O'Tucker of Empire Films who produces the video podcast of this audio podcast and also the good man David Hamilton over at Flash Dog Studios for being a gracious host. I worked out what was exciting this morning. Go on. Is you caught me by surprise, which is great. And it's not really that interesting, but I'm going to say it. Never know. It's because uh, there's this big deal over in Europe about this European soccer league. That's mm. um, this kind of elitist bunch of clubs. So yeah. it's sport. Football and dudes throwing football wobblies. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And so overnight and within the hour, um, the news was that Man United, who's my team, they have um, their chairman and the finances have pulled out and they're leaving the club, which has been something I've been wanting for like 10 years. So it's all Whoa. collapsing by the minute. Or it's like dominoes. It's fantastic. Yeah, and someone, one club who I don't have a name for, uh, who was going to go in, have now announced because there was so much fury, they're going to cut, they're not going to go in. And it's yeah. like, well, you knew this was going to happen. Carry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the courage of your convictions or don't. Yeah, yeah what was the... Yeah. Uh, Sports wobblies, they're, they're my favourite kind. Yeah. And especially <laughs> soccer. Yeah. What was the kind of reason that they wanted to break away? Because they're, money and greed, presumably. I, I sound a lie on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it I money? Mean, they wanted more money. Sport. That's the... I get, get, get the sense that what everybody likes to watch if you watch football, and I'm not saying anybody does, so sorry everybody, is that uh, people love to watch the biggest teams playing the biggest teams all the time. Okay. And so they get a sense that we could do that mm. um, and we could make a lot of money out of it. And here's a bunch of clubs who we could invite in, but there's a, it's quite a range of clubs. Clubs that have been adjoined are ones that are not necessarily successful and are quite average in England, for example. Yeah. But they've got a ticket to the club because they happen to be very well financed and etc. Right. And another key that I picked up was that, here's me talking about sport, <laughs> is that <laughs> they, there's no qualifying, so those teams yeah. get to play every year. No relegation either. No relegation, no, you're in, you're in. Yeah. Um, which, again, yeah. it's all about Well, that. I suppose it's like the NBA, right? They don't, don't really get... Don't know. Okay. <laughs> wow, we started talking about sport. <laughs> Isn't that surprising? It's very surprising. Well, let's throw it back to you it's and what's exciting. exciting for you this morning? Uh, oh, I'm going to a workshop after this and I just had a phone call as I came in from someone saying, um, I've been fogged out of my airport and I've only just arrived and I've missed my connecting flight. Is there any point in me coming to this half of the second half of this four hour workshop? So that was surprising this morning. It's like, oh, so excellent. Great. These things happen. Brilliant. No, it's fine. Stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just hopefully, hopefully they get on the, the standby flight and yeah. everything's fine. Are they coming from Australia? No, I'm going okay. to Australia though. I know. Wow. So, so how are you so, feeling about that? Cause... I am excited about that. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I was, I mean, I, you know, I'll be cautious about it. Mm. And I've chosen <clears throat> to fly without a transfer in Australia. So Auckland, Adelaide, get out of Adelaide Airport. Don't have to faff around an airport and, you know, try and yeah. cross between lots of people. Mm, mm. Um, but South Australia, well behaved, good Good history on the coronavirus. Mm. I'm robust. They're going to take good care of me. Mm, um, I know the people. Uh, I'm excited. Business or pleasure? 
Yeah, I was going to ask. Well, sorry. Both. No. It'll be both <laughs> and then because I'm going for a, to speak at a conference. Right. But they are. I know the people who are hosting me. I know come some of the people who yeah. are going to be there speaking as well. And so I get to see people. And mm. the host is a wonderful host. He's a really mm. great host. Mm. So and they've got a schedule of um, wine events and creative events and nice. you know all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be what's fun. the conference or what's uh, the event? South Australia Creative Industries Conference. Okay, so how do they define creative industries over there? I'm curious. They have a pretty broad. Dis the one they the papers I've been reading so far are using the UNESCO, which is thirteen or fourteen, mm. a thirteen or fourteen list. Mm. Um, I define it a little wider, so I bring in things like um, hairdressing and um, artisanal food. Yeah. Because this is regional Australia, they artisanal foods are yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that can be included in that. Um, yeah. So that's part of the conversation we're going to have. I'm mm. going to have with them. Extending them. Well, just just thinking about part of the, the, part of the presentation I'm going to do is around the connections that you make as creative people mm. and how you create an environment where people can be creative. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is to work with people who are creative adjacent, at which point you get into artisanal food, you get into restaurants, you get into mm. um, cultural things and makeup mm. and hair and floristry and those kind of things. I wish I had a pen now to write down creative and uh, adjacent. That's a fantastic <laughs> phrase. It's good, man. Write it down for me. <laughs> it's you just being open to... You can have an approach. Yeah, <laughs> open to different industries, right, and being influenced by them. That's and right. Try to collaborate yeah. better right. and connect and collide. And That's right. And those industries, many of those industries consider themselves creative anyway. And mm. what's the value in putting firm lines around things? Fuzzy lines that help people be better and yeah. create more and have more fun and have more impact. I love what you're saying because all of a sudden it occurred to me that you were going to a conference in Australia. Mm. Just yeah. quick, because I've just been in a conference from uh, for Motif, and it was in uh, at Tiariko in the building over here with a range of New Zealand students and Polish and German English students online. And of course, I'm just assuming it's online. And then I'm just slowly clicked <laughs> that you're Getting going play. over there, yeah. another country. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you about the t you know with the range of things that would happen at the conference. You know, so I'm curious about a creative conference and so. Is it just speaking? Is it workshops? What are the things that engage people um, in making those connections or um, sort of building those links? You know, what, what else do they offer as a creative sort of engagement? So this one, I'm not sure how much of what I'm doing is part of the conference or how much is part oh, okay. of um, the great host looking after me. Um, but there's definitely work. So it's a two, no, it's a three-day thing. The first two is sort of um, keynote speakers. Mm and then breakout rooms with smaller groups where you can go and talk about things, and cool. then there seems to be a workshop on the third day. Right. Um, I haven't, that's not all, you know, still yeah. a month away, so everything's yeah, not completely true. clear, yeah. but that seems to be what's happening. How exciting. It's really exciting. Mm. It's, I, I haven't yet figured out who exactly who's gonna be there in the sense yeah. of whether it's going to be creative people that's been driven by an organization that's responsible for 15 um, regional areas, mm. re regional, they're not quite councils, but kind of regional hmm. authorities. And so I suspect many of them are people who work within those council-like organisations, mm. those shires or whatever they call them. Hmm. But some of them will be people who are leaders in the creative sector as well. So yeah. pretty cool. That's interesting. Which brings up the lovely topic around creativity, right? Yeah. Because we've all intersected yes. in our creative fields and yeah. creative spaces. Like you mentioned that you have a broad definition of creativity. Yeah. Could you literally put a line to it? Like, because you've been in this space for some time, and then the same question to you, by the way. <laughs> so be prepared. I'm glad you got asked. Oh, yeah, that's right. Charming. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, 
I have a I have a, a way of thinking about creativity. I don't have a, a line of what creativity is, but I but I know the aspects of creativity that are valuable and they're valuable beyond the creative sector. So mm. coming up with new ideas, joining old ideas in new ways, doing old things in new ways, um, seeing the world through different eyes, mm. um, being iterative, being flexible in your thinking, all those things are part of creativity. It's like um, the elements, the ingredients. The ingredients, like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, um, you know, innovation is, is new and useful mm. and creativity is 75% of that. So. Mm. What? Yeah, I don't have a forward it's definition finished. of creativity, but I, I, I know all the aspects that, that make that. people sing. That's a tough question. It yeah. is. It really is. Yeah. Do you have a definition? Oh, <laughs> I was pausing to maybe you've forgotten to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a question I've actually managed, surprisingly, over the years to avoid responding to because I think I've moved away. I did a lot of research mm. in the early days of the PhD about into, into creativity research mm. and the theories of creativity. And I suppose the, where I came to is there's just a huge mis misunderstanding of what creativity actually is and what it means. We use this word like lots of other words randomly without any mm. real understanding of what these mean. And so I think to be truly creative, it, it, the definition in terms of theory is about being to producing something that's unique. It's gotcha. not just everyday creativity. That's that's called something else. Right. So, I tend to not really use it much. I mean, I think what I ha have been more interested in is, uh, you know, co-creation and co-design, where we're sort of, mm. uh, I'm more interested. I've moved from the idea of an individual as a creative person, or the artist in the garret, or I'm a hero, because um, I have all the ideas to how do we get other people, which sounds like you do a lot of as well, yeah. and you. So we both all do it. We, how do we get people to, um, I guess. Um, uh, extract, how do we extract their creative potential? Nice. And so there's lots of ways to do that and of course all those words also are misunderstood and misused and mm. misapplied and even words like collaboration are misused and mm. people don't, so they just use them without thinking about what they actually mean and so I'm more interested in words that are more productive. The lead into action maybe? Is yeah, it? I, I think right. and also enabling and so it's about, um, right. I'm, I'm interested in how people think together rather than how I am more, become more creative. Although in saying that, I'm very interested in creativity th um, practices and mm. ways to enhance creativity, which is um, but probably more, again, interested in how we do that together with other people. Which leads lovely on to the discussion about your PhD. Oh, Dr. Mark Bradford. <laughs> Tech. Done. So it's completed. Tech. Yeah. Yes. I know, but for those who are listening and don't know your face, could you describe what the intention was behind your PhD and now yeah. what you've learned from it and now doing with it? I'd like you to answer this question, please. I'm very happy to answer the question of my PhD. I don't have one. Over to you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a long time ago, but it's, um, it's, it's, it is finished. It, it was a fantastic pro project. I loved it. And I guess if I had to summarise what I did over the eight years, because it was part-time, is it's more what I did is I undertook a martial art in the martial art of Aikido. And what I was interested in is, what can I learn from doing a martial art that I can apply off the mat in other challenges we face in life? So what can we learn from doing what I consider a very creative martial art? Mm -hmm. It's not about hurting people, it's about, it's kind of a rich sort of theoretical, how do we work together and in a good way sort of martial art? How can I take something inspiring there and apply it somewhere else? And so I was inspired by watching a multiple attack um, on, uh, back in 2005 where 
the senior instructor was in the middle and, and invited five black belts in who attacked him. And, and as he was being attacked, he was sort of slowly moving around the mat and redirecting mm -hmm. and avoiding and dealing with the challenges. And, and, and it occurred to me on the side of the mat that this is very much like brainstorming just with bodies. And so it was kind of, I was thinking, there might be a project in there. Maybe I'll spend 10 years of my life doing that. And so I did. And so for me, what I saw that night sort of suggested a way of working together relationally that could maybe apply, be applied in creativity or in other phases, other places we plan life. And so that can be, and it has been done. So there's groups around the world doing this in policing, psychology, and uh, with kids, and I just happened to do it in creativity. So I'm the only one in the world applying those ideas in creativity. Wow. You know, I've come back to the word creativity, ironically. Mm -hmm. And so since then, it's, it's sort of branched out back into the idea of how do we enable people to feel more heard. Um, everybody's voice is important when you talk and have collaborations or conversations. And so when I get people together to talk, we talk and move together. So we're more moving and talking at the same time. And that's very much the same as what happens in Aikido, except they're not talking. They're just moving. But they are talking, but using their bodies, sure. their minds, and the environment. And so I do the same thing. So I've participated in a couple of your you sessions. Thank you very much. Fun, very different and odd if you've yeah, never totally. experienced anything yeah. like that. Yeah. In terms of, you know, even and in the COVID environment, just holding yeah. people, right, yeah. by their wrists and touching them and stuff and moving with them and things. Could you describe that process? Because that was a, a research angle, but now it's been developed into Bibi Doe. But could you describe yeah. that for people who've never seen it? Yeah, well, I guess it's changed. You know, I mean, you of did course, it, I yeah. think, in 2016. Something? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Okay. I, you, yeah, so it's evolved. And so um, in the early days when I took it from the mat and applied it, um, with people like Josh Ford, mm -hmm. who you know very well. I do. He was the one who did in 2014. He was the first group to ever do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Wow. At Inspiral. Um, we were very much about, um, I don't know whether you can see my hands or if I put your wrist out. Can you see that, Jono? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you put your arm out. In the old days, it was like, I'm going to hold your hand, and yeah. this is the Japanese grip, and so it's like very much, okay. very Aikido. Yeah. And over the years, it slowly moved from being that to... Oh, just a touch. Yeah, and I've sort of learnt that the more uh, I'm not teaching people how to, I'm not teaching Aikido, I'm teaching them, they're learning Biwido. And Biwido is not Aikido. Gotcha. And Biwido is, inf is informed by the, the theories of Aikido, which are called Aiki. It's about being more yourself, sensing how you move the, through the world and how you relate to people, how you like to relate to people, which in my case is I would like to have a good time, relate to people, and I want everybody in the room to talk and deal with each other equally so no one's in charge and so over time it's turned in just to a gentle tap and then early in 2019 before COVID it was um, turned into no tap so it's just the idea that I could gesture oh, okay and then we understood what that meant but it's still the same idea and then it turned and we can do it also the social distancing where we can move together mm. but we just keep a meter and then um, I was lucky to get invited to a conference in Brisbane in 2019, then I couldn't go because mm. of COVID. And so it all collapsed. And so they said I was going to run a workshop involving touch. And so um, I, we had to decide what do we do? And so we decided we'd try doing it virtually. And yeah. so now we, now we 
can also do, be with dough using phones. And so instead of touch, we can just simply flip our camera so we're not looking at each other and put our hand out in different ways and just use gestural interfaces mm -hmm. through the phone to walk and talk through different spaces around the world. Yeah. So it's not limited by location anymore mm. or f physical proximity. It's actually kind of like it's opened it up. Yeah. Like we can talk to somebody in New York and get them. I can walk through Newtown. You can walk through New York and we can have a conversation. But it's not just a conversation. It's an intentional, purpose, purposeful conversation. We're here to talk about something on, and we're here to um, come, create ideas, share opinions, express ourselves, deal with conflict. And we can do that through the phone and moving. And does it work, uh, I assume it works best with people who already know each other, who are already part of a team, or can you dive straight in? You can dive straight in. Randoms. Yeah. So it's all, all over the place. So yeah. uh, people that know each other very well. And then um, we had um, people who just are at a conference who arrive on the day. Mm. Um, then you have companies, I've had Deloitte that came in and, and they just bring a team in to work on a specific problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, the one I did last Thursday night was with people who were in Courtney Place, um, walking and talking around their flats um, with people in their spaces in Poland. And so they'd never, they'd never done it at all. It was kind of completely new. It's the second time I've done it through Zoom. And so uh, I'm finding that it's incredibly flexible. And, I'm, and I guess that's the challenge is, I, um, is, is kind of moving and growing with how it evolves and being open to the unknown and embracing the unknown yeah. as we keep going through this project. So it's kind of evolved quite a lot mm. since we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a new discipline as well. It's a, a new almost literacy set that you're introducing to people and then seeing where that flows. Because you've been quite fluid with the idea of where it can be applied yeah. just from knowing you over the years. Oh, no, I'm doing it. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it's been a problem for me because I, I can always think of ways to do it. <laughs> and then it's the problem is, well, you know, I've got to let the idea go and find out what other people want to do with the idea and let the right. idea do its own thing. Has that been easy? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I'm yeah. getting better at it. and Yeah, it, it is a language, you know. It's a, mm. you know. We use the body, the mind, and the environment instead of what we often do. Is we sit, this is not a critique of the situation. Of course not. Because um, we often are trapped around tables, around props. We're mm. involved in... Situations and meetings where power, relationships, uh, gender, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. Um, no matter what you say, nobody listens to me, so I'll just go on my phone. And, you know, right. or I'm, yeah. I'm, really pretty t I'm pretending to be in this meeting, but I'm actually just emailing about dinner for the flatmates. Mm. There's a lot of rubbish that's going on in, in the way that we, have, we need to design better conversations. And I feel like um, I'm doing it. Yeah. 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 Has anything surprised you? Any types of people? Like you said, it's, a, it's kind of a democratised version mm. of kind of holding meetings or space where historically someone would be the person to do that <laughs> and has devolved kind of responsibilities down, but now you're going, no, everybody gets to say. Well, every time I do it, it's uh, surprising. It's, um, right. The range is from, you know, early in, in the early days um, when you would open up for anybody to work with anybody physically. Um, you'd hear later on that um, somebody who was maybe at the front desk took the opportunity to talk to their manager and have a good right. conversation at the end. She thought it was like brainstorming with respect and she mm. did make the comment that, you know, it's usual for her to not be heard at the table and, mm. and that it was great that all of a sudden I, everybody could 
say what was on their mind or they could share something and it was uh, valuable. And so, and the opposite is like, I never thought I could, I never thought to talk to you, but I had a great conversation, so I need to open up who I talk to. And then it ranges through to people who I thought might be challenging because they were very big personalities actually embracing the idea and through to, again, um, people that apologised that they were introspective or that they would be very quiet, like um, certain cultures, like Japanese and Finnish. Um, in 2019, I did went to the top of Finland, and I was warned that it, they would be very introverted and quiet, and they're not used. To, they don't like touching. They don't like any. Don't get too close. And I'm going to do this crazy thing on them. Uh, they were one of the best I've ever done, and the conversation was. I let them go, and I literally had to stop myself interrupting them because they had got it, and they had the room. They took over the session, and I actually, I basically at that point, up the top of Finland in the snow, <laughs> they were going. I realised that I descended the designer out of the design process, and so this whole design thinking thing of um, ultimately the designer being in charge, mm -hmm. um, I kind of felt like I had finally achieved my aim, which was to get the conversation moving, wow. but to pull out and just shut up, and it's you. It's, it's not mine, it's your conversation, mm. enjoy yourself. And I just sort of, every so often, I get people to change partners. And all I have to do is get a good question to get it going. And so, but one of the top three, I think, the Finnish, uh, right. even the, Jap the thing I did at IDEO in Tokyo, they were great, they were brilliant. They, bring, they brought, went away, came in, brought props, brought a duck in, took it away. It was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, just see what happens, let's see what happens. And so, yeah, I was... Uh, brought a duck in. Yeah, and the next one I do will be surprising again. So it's, it's, it's cool, you should do it. I think you'd be a natural at it. You invited me and then I got sick or something. That's I couldn't right. come. That's right. Yeah, yeah did, there was yeah, one yeah. I was going to come to and I was crook. So yeah, yeah no, I think I'd Another like time. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because I'm, I'm intrigued by the part about where you tell people this is what you want to do and they say yes because mm. I'm sure there are lots of barriers for people to say yes and it'll be some crazy person or outlier or influencer or boss or someone who mm. says, Mark's got this great idea, we should play. Yeah. How do, you, how do yeah. they or how do you get people, the rest of the people over the line to go, yeah, I'm showing up for that? I think you're right. This is exactly what the, the, my, my, the last challenge, I, well, the most recent challenge I have. And sorry I'm dominating the conversation here. No. Because um, I told you, I warned you not to get me talking about this. <laughs> we asked. But this is one of the, I was talking to some uh, contact about this, is one of the challenges is to let people know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And I've mentioned how you respond to this, but um, Nick Schroering, Schroering, is that his name? Schroering. Schroering. He once he, he did it a couple of times, and um, he said it's like yoga for communication. Mm. You know, people go to yoga and it's very about me, and it's a very self-driven sort of situation. And then I could and, argue with that, but Karen. Yeah, no, that's good. I like to hear uh, a different opinion. And what he's going, it'd be great if you could do something where, you know, couples could come along and do a similar thing, but it's literally about exercising or using yeah. conversation to move and to um, stretch and to push and pull and all these things that maybe. But yoga for communication seems to be one that I drop in every so often to see how it resonates. And it, often people are nodding. Mm. But the question I always have this thing about, you know, it doesn't come from yoga. So. Yeah. You know, is it appropriate to sort of say yoga for communication? So I'm searching for something that where people, 
where it resonates and it makes sense in terms of the background. And so for, for, for Biwado has the macron above the O, which is less about doing and more about do. And so do is a sort of a nod to where everything comes from for me, which is the, the dojo and a respect to where it comes from, but it's very much its own thing, mm. but a respect to where it's come from. And so the idea of you know, dropping yoga for communication is kind of, it's still uncomfortable for me um, because it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't, it's not inspired by yoga. I mean, how do you respond I to somebody even suggesting maybe using the idea of yoga for I, communication? Given, I, given what you've told me and what I you know, have seen of Bewido yeah. and yoga, I th yeah, I think that's confusing. Yeah. Because I think people will, people who are challenged by Bewido are possibly also challenged by yeah. yoga. <laughs> that's you right. know, And they think they're going to come along and not be able to touch their toes or yes. have to sit funny or, you know, Good point. Do downward yeah. dog or handstand or whatever, and they're going to be just as challenged. So I, I'm not sure that's right. And that's right again. There's a, and it raises another issue about it. there's a one way. There's a is it downward dog? Yeah. So well, it might be. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what we're describing here, but if it's a downward dog, which hopefully it's okay, is then there's one exercise you're going to do. Yeah. And so once I've shown people how to move using what I hope they use, if they want to do what's comfortable, then I don't really care. Yeah. Mm. So if you want to go around high-fiving somebody or linking hands, if you're moving and talking, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not precious because yeah. I just want conversations that are good and helpful conversations. And so, Some people are precious about yoga and some people are not. That's, yeah. And yeah. so, it, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure it's the metaphor you're after. Yeah, I'm not, it's not right at the yeah. moment, I know. Yeah. Well, for me, when it I... It might be it. movement. I mean, something like movement for communication or yeah, maybe something, it's like something that. maybe it's staring me in the face maybe it's staring you in the face yeah yeah <laughs> going in loops yeah. maybe it'll just cover you at three o'clock in the morning at one point <laughs> but uh but for me when i did it, i was like really surprised about the intentionality behind two aspects one is creating space for everybody yeah and within that overlapping like a good venn diagram is creating space for people to have voice as well so most conversational spaces are not really conversational spaces that people create. Like even mm -hmm. conferences actually is about someone up on yeah. front. Mm -hmm. And then the good stuff, as we know, happens in the side channels, right? Yeah. When, you know, when you're over lunch and stuff and you're reflecting and connecting on those things, yeah. which is, you know, why I designed my events the way I designed them, for lots of kind of those, you know, collisions that happen, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of space for people to yeah. connect and reflect and yeah. stuff. But that's where I found the most amplifying that's uh, when I had that experience. Is that everybody had a voice. It wasn't like, this is my take on this yeah. and follow it, then have a chat about it later, which is what mm. most people mm. think conversational space yeah. about. It's like, no, we're starting here. This is how the, yeah. the format, away you go. You take it forward. I think it's, uh, we, we have a crossover here. It's lovely, mm. you know, the way you described everybody's as a voice. And I would go, yeah. I have my, my slight change, not tweaked it as everybody's voice matters. Lovely. And so, um, so I'm trying to get a little bit a kind of a call to action. And I suppose the other part of the moving and the gestures and the touch and yeah. is that small gestures can set big ideas in motion. Mm. So I literally, um, if you have a way for me to talk to a strong person like you, and if you're talking and maybe you're on a roll and I literally can put out my arm and, and you can acknowledge that I've got something to say and then all of a sudden I can move this conversation somewhere that we both didn't anticipate and there's a lot of power in there mm. but it's a shared sort of relational sort of leadership in action rather than hero leadership or something like that yeah and your hero leaders who are not 
always welcome in creative environments anyway, <laughs> probably need to, you know, they need to uh, embrace this and, and drop their status, mm. you know, mm. or, or leave their status at the door completely. Yeah. And I wonder how that people cope with that, or are those the sorts of people who don't even invite you into their spaces? You know, people who believe in hierarchy and decisions get made at the top and yeah. all that stuff. Well, I they think probably don't come near, very near, near you anyway. Well, that's probably where, where I've got to um, re in recent months mm. is to, uh, as fog, fog for the trees I've caught, I've done over just around 500 people now mm. and over 50 sort of sessions and I'm slowly learning how to, to use this thing. Yeah. And, but what I'm learning is that, you know, there's a process that people can do, which is uh, like, and which I've, I've nailed now, I think I understand exactly how it works. But the key is, is to develop a practice and a creative practice in some way. And so if you can get people doing this more often, or if you can design a way to start those types of conversations, then people can slowly understand the value of those. And so I have one happening, starting off quite seriously next, next week inside the College of Creative Arts. And so they did a session, they got a feel for it, and they want to do it more. And it's all about them developing their internal culture within a small group within the College of Creative Arts. And so they understand that, but they want to do it in a certain way. So we're designing, but not in a traditional sense of a designing an object or yeah. a, yeah, we're designing how people can think about what's important for their culture. Yeah. So that's what gets me excited as well, is how we evolve from designing in the 90s or whatever it is to how do we design in the future? What is yeah. design in the future? And it sounds like there's an opportunity for people to take what you teach them and internalise it within their group, their team, their company, their whatever, and develop their own practice of it. You've left, thanks Mark, yep. we're going to do our own thing with totally. your principles or amending or melding or whatever, yep. your principles with our values or however that works. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's 100% what I've only just kind of got it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, that's, that's not me. Yeah. No, I was no. just going to say that's the greatest validation for any creative process, right, is that it's been both infused with someone and then diffused. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gone and continued without you. Yeah. Or the originator, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of that whole TEDx thing that you got rolling, and mm -hmm. so it's a sad moment this year when you're kind of moving on and stuff. But that idea has burst beyond its original sort of. Yeah. When did it start? Well, the whole Ted, thing. But my journey within him was the first TEDx licensure that I held was TEDx Tiaro in 2012. Right. So that was Gosh, my first ago, event that I ran here mm -hmm. as the licensee, mm -hmm. and then we built it up over nine years. Yeah. You're right, I, I love the ripples of influence, the ROI, <laughs> the other ROI, not the return on investment, the ripples of impact or influence, whatever you yeah. want to say it, right? Yeah. Um, that has permeated now beyond that one event. Because yeah. now I can go back and list, not just to the speakers, of course, mm. those are the, mm. I suppose, the heroes of the day because they're on the stage, but then they, they again, permeate their ideas much wider because it's online and they've gone on and been whatever, knighted, order of whatever, and uh, gone on and won prizes, become New Zealander of the Year, accelerate and amplified their businesses, whatever they're doing. You can point at all that. Yeah. But I really love the behind-the-stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff that most people wouldn't see, which is all the organisers that have come through and volunteered their time, yeah. which I've several times had to write references for because they've applied for jobs. And put that down as a really big transferable skill that mm. they've experienced. And yeah. it's like, well, that's amazing. And then all the friendships that I've created and relationships that are continuing through and beyond. Um, well, transfer is the word, the word, interesting word that you raise there, yeah. isn't it? 
And I think um, it, there's a crossover between lots of things that happen in the worlds. I mean, you sound like we talked before about how you're, what you're doing right now, which we can talk about in a second. It's like uh, you're interested because there's lots of things happening. Yeah. And there's crossovers and it's, it's all about the middle mm. in some ways. And um, that's the space that always interests me, whether it's, uh, if we go back to the doctorate being about leadership development, co-creation, and the Japanese martial art of Aikido, what happens when you smash those together? What emerge, What squeezes out of that? Yeah. What squeezed out of that was Speed Widow. That's lovely. But yeah. I can't anticipate that. And so, but it also is the challenge, and maybe that's the challenge underlying kind of the things that I face, and but you have smashed, and TEDx is, is it's a good idea, but how does it transfer beyond being something interesting yeah. to something that becomes embedded or um, almost ubiquitous in, within a culture? Yeah. Which I think it's getting and, there. And you know. changes people enough that it has a positive impact on yeah. their life, their yeah. friends, their community, yeah. wh- whatever. That, 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 that way of working, that way of thinking yeah. becomes a positive change. And yeah. then goes on to influence new things. Because yeah. way leads on to yeah. way. Yeah. And I liked within the discussion that you were having the idea of quietening one's cleverness, especially when it comes to leadership. Yeah. You know, and, and I think leaders historically are always seen as, you know, the Steve Jobs straight away. You throw yeah. him up as great innovator and stuff like that. I think he was a great curator and a great question asker, which then ignited then the, the space and the yeah. people to then create all the ideas that came out. Because he didn't invent the iPhone. He didn't, or the iPod yeah. and stuff. He had a lot of other people who came together and did that. But he, he was, a, you know, again, had the leadership known to quieten his cleverness to a degree to allow other people, but then took the glory for it. Uh, but that's yeah, a but if thing. you, if you, you know, one of um, Jobs' co-creators of, of Pixar, mm. Ed Catmull, he's, his books and his, the way he speaks oh, yeah. about his leadership yeah. um, is, is different to what you see from Steve Jobs. Mm. And it's, it's difficult to know whether... Uh, Ed Catmull and Steve Jobs worked in the same way or if they were fighting against each other. They obviously got on really well and worked really well mm-hmm, together, yeah. but whether what uh, Ed Catmull's written and the things that have been written and said about him and his mm-hmm. leadership style, his creator, the way, the way he created yeah. Pixar, whether that, how much Steve Jobs was part of that and how much he wasn't, it's really yeah. interesting because most people know what Steve Jobs looks like. Yeah. You show people Ed Catmull and they have no idea, and yet he's yeah. really the one probably mm-hmm. who created the underlying value of Pixar and therefore of Disney ultimately in the end. Well, I think you raised an interesting thing about egos and, uh, and leadership together. I mean, it's... Yeah. A, right. I was going to say about tension. Yeah, there is a tension of the... Well, uh, the creative yeah. act and, and leadership. Do you need some tension to almost mm. catalyse new ideas and things? Well, conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. It depends no. how you deal with it. Of course. You know, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, the, there's that underlying thing about leadership about whether you're leading from the middle, mm. you know, alongside mm. or leading from the front. Mm. And I, leading from the front is a, I, I know, I get really annoyed by, meta, by military metaphors within leadership because okay. they take this, um, this uh, strange environment, masculine environment mm. and yeah. conflict environment yeah. and then expect that to apply to everything else. So yeah, yeah there's, there's this thing in, in leadership, and particularly creative, creative leadership in my view, where you set the platform, you create the environment, mm. you set the parameters, sort of the values, the structures, and then let people go for it. So you mm. create a space where people mm. are safe, 
yeah. to share, to be vulnerable, to have an input, to be heard. You know, you yeah. talked about the person at the front desk being heard by their manager all of yeah. a sudden. Yeah. You create that environment, whether you do that physically or mm. emotionally mm. or with some structures or how you do that, mm. that's how you get people to flourish. Well, like, and let conflicts thrive, but it's respectful. People can defend their positions. Yeah. People can bring ideas. People can throw things in. Yeah. Um, and that's where the diversity of thought and influence and ideas and people come into. I think there's an interesting word you use, safe, and I think safety, psychological safety is, um, yeah. is a gigantic thing. Yeah. And it's um, just not it, out there. It comes up, it actually comes up a lot yeah. in, in um, and people keep discovering that that's the reason that teams work. And people <laughs> who have been reading a few, year, a few decades go, yeah, 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 no, we're ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Google discovered it recently. And I'm like, yeah, no, we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a strong part of, of team building. It's probably a key part of team building is mm. can the people in this group have a different opinion to the boss or to mm. other people and be heard and listened to, genuinely listened to, and then, you know, have the edges taken off or yeah. that say through the central? What, what do you do with that idea? Absolutely. And I think there's also even more... You mentioned war and, and um, these sort of uh, analogies, and for sure. And I, and I think my, my sense is, you know, you can get a taste of it in a, one session, but the, the reality is the problem is with what we do and the, the culture is that we want it fast and could you come and fix it in two hours? Mm -hmm. And so the idea that I, I think I remember doing a, a bullying workshop, which was two hours long, and then you leave it, and then and apparently it's fixed. Mm. The culture's <laughs> fixed. Yeah. And it was well, a total waste of time. Einstein would say you spend the first 98% figuring out the problem. Mm. Mm. And, you know, if you've only got two hours. Yeah, so we probably have it like in a week, maybe, I don't know what the average culture is, but you could imagine being people involved in 90% of the meetings are probably pretty poor mm -hmm. or poorly written, mm -hmm. read, uh, sorry, poorly led, um, involving a mixture of leadership styles that are crushed together with no acknowledgement that there are a bunch of convergent and divergent thinking styles happening at the same time. So we, we just don't, we don't add, we don't place value on trying to generate great conversations that will produce better behaviours or acknowledge that maybe I'm coming from a different angle or, that, or and we don't be strategic about we ha where we have these conversations, we just give them an hour. Yeah. Because it fits into my spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. And I would be creative as well. Come up with new ideas. <laughs> like. That's my criticism of conferences. Some of us can do that. Yeah. yeah. I've so, got an hour in a conference or something, and I'm yeah. going. And I've started kicking back and say, "Well, I, I need more time." And mm. uh, and and people, and surprisingly, people go, "Yeah, okay." But well, it's not enough. There's some people who think 25 minutes is too long for them. To <laughs> yeah, so that's you know, right. there's, and yeah, there's both, isn't there's there? There's both. Yeah. And if but if you're trying to, because I imagine. My recollection is you're not just talking to people for an hour and a half. No, you're I've got three minutes and we're off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up, move around, find somebody. Yeah, you know all yeah. that stuff. That's that's you know that can't be done in 25 minutes. No, no, no. I don't think so. It's probably uh, struggling for an hour. Yeah, but then after we've done it once, you got five minutes. You're off. Mm. But you got to, you need the time. Yeah, totally. Because it's a little a little different than usual. Mm -hmm. But I mean, interestingly, a lot of what we, what do I do is what we do normally. You know, we have important conversations walking down a beach with somebody, mm. a partner, or we sit in bed and we, we talk to somebody important to us, or uh, we don't often get up and get out of bed and say, I've got something I want to talk to you about. Sit across the table from you. Yeah, I want because it's usually something, and it's within an hour. It's not well. going to be good. Yeah. I want to tell you off. <laughs> and so, uh, 
often those important conversations are side by side where we create space to start that conversation and shape that conversation. And I just happen to add another element, which is a criticism of design thinking being mostly about the brain. Mm. You just see what happens when you mix all three things and it kind of works, yeah. But how, so how, how would you use, you talk about innovation and I think was it you build exclusive spaces? Is it, am I right? Uh, um, supportive spaces where people can right. be creative. Yeah. yeah, so how do you do that? I, I'd love to learn from um, big questions. It is big questions. So some of what you've been talking about, so people have to leave, you have to create an environment where people are not hierarchical within that environment mm. as much as possible. Right. And so that's about, I've literally sat down before meetings and said, right, Let's talk about the three or four values that we want to bring to this conversation because there's some people have not quite been on the same card. You don't say, now, Mark, I'm concerned about the way you behaved in the last meeting, in the last <laughs> conversation. But you say to everybody, let's talk about the values we want to bring to this, to this conversation, mm. to this workshop, to this environment. So you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but in, across, a, across a board, it's about um, modelling that behaviour. So, you know, sorry, DK, I want to hear what Mark's got to say, mm -hmm. or yeah. um, I'm sure that, you know, we, you notice that somebody hasn't contributed um, and you want yeah. to make sure that those people get a chance. And they might say, no, I'm good, I completely agree with what DK said, mm -hmm. but that's okay, they've, they've yeah. had that opportunity. Um, and there's also work to be done beforehand. So sometimes yeah. you have to say to people, like last time we did this, yeah. um, you know, you were a bit dominant in that conversation, I'd like you to listen to other people first. Um, but as you do that, people start to understand that there's value from people who aren't normally listened to. Mm. And also you want people to bring ideas they want to defend. Mm. So um, I'm not a big fan of the devil's advocate because it brings, can bring negativity. And if that person's saying, oh, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this up as opposed to, hey, I've got an idea that might help, mm. which could be a, from a a devilish point of view, but at yeah. least it's one they're prepared to defend, yeah. as opposed to just chuck in and, and be nasty with. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's about creating a stage where people feel psychologically safe, where they can en en enjoy themselves, mm. contribute, be listened to, and where they can look to you and, and you go, right, no, I'm fine, I'm right behind this, carry on, yeah. as opposed to, no, that's too far. Yeah. So yeah, there's various tools you can use for that. So you do use that, um yeah, the other word in that I, I picked up yesterday when I was looking, uh, re researching it, yeah. was uh, in, in the innovation space and also yeah. in the boardroom and also yeah. within education. Yeah. Does it, it's the same for all those? So, yeah, in, when I'm sitting in a boardroom, I don't necessarily get to control the environment quite as much mm. um, if I'm not the chair. Yeah. But even if I am the chair, then there's, there's other... Um, powerful people, I don't mean that in a negative way, but people who have other influences on how that space mm. operates. So, but yeah, there's, there's opportunities within a quite a formal environment of a board space to, yeah. to open up and have um, evolving, fluffy conversations about what something could be. Mm. It doesn't all have to be paper recommendation <laughs> decision, tick. You know, you have to have space for, for the creative work of of thinking about what mm. an organisation could be, mm. what an organisation could go, bear, go could, where it could go, mm. what went wrong, yeah. um, how something could be improved next time. It's, it's um, 
some organisations, and, and it depends on how much sort of control you have outside the meeting to set the agenda you want and what kind of conversations you want to have um, because people are compressed with time. Mm. Often management have got, right, I need these seven decisions made. Yeah. Um, so it's not always within a, a meeting or a board meeting that you can do those things. Sometimes it has to be shifted out and put somewhere else. Yeah. Timing. Which boards yeah. are you sitting on at the moment? Because you've got a field that you juggle. I do. Um, <laughs> I sit on Education New Zealand, which is the International Edu Education Agency. So it's a okay. government, it's a ministerial appointment. Mm -hmm. um, also sit on the Audit and Risk Committee of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that uses the other side of my brain. Mm -hmm. um, but it's great, really rewarding. Uh, I um, chair a karma group, which is the one that Josh uh, is a major shareholder in. Mm -hmm. um, it's a tech company based in Wellington and Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I'm the, I am a part owner of the Gibson Group, so I'm on the board and a, and a shareholder of Gibson Group. So that's um, visitor experiences, tourism attractions, mm -hmm. cultural experiences screen, film and television around mm. the world, mm. um, which is amazing. And then uh, I'm currently chairing a work group. It's called the, uh, an, an Interim Establishment Board, but it's not a board because it doesn't have an actual organisation. So it's more of a work group kind of thing, um, supporting the creation of the new Workforce Development Council for the creative and technology and recreation and cultural sectors. Nice. So that's the piece of the education sector that sits between the vocational education providers right. and the employers and the sectors. Mm. So it's a bit that advises between those two. That's the one big thing I wrote down because I could never remember that. Yeah. The Interim Establishment Board <laughs> of Creative Culture, it. Recreation and Tech yeah. Workforce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which we, in a very so short period broad. of time, I know, in a very short period of time we'll be able to call it Toy Mai, which is going to be great because right, yeah, we've given it a given. name right. and once the the order in council is signed by the Governor-General. Right. <laughs> we can call it by its name, uh, which would be... And then people start going, you know, when, when Te Papa was called, first called Te Papa, they're like, rrr, rrr, mm. rrr. but now everyone just calls it Te Papa. Yeah. And, okay. you know, once something has a name, you can yeah. start, and people eventually get there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to giving it its real name yeah. as opposed to its mouthful name. It was interesting yeah. going through your LinkedIn because, yeah, you do have two sides of your brain that yeah. you actively work, yeah. your lawyer side. Ex-lawyer, recovering lawyer. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're grown up, yeah. lawyer side. <laughs> and yeah. then the playfulness of the yeah. theatre stuff that you yeah. were involved with early on and, and the Gibson yeah. Group, as you mentioned, and some other things. Uh, I wonder, kind of, in terms of your personality, like, <laughs> which gives you the biggest thrill? I, I really enjoy the creative stuff, uh -huh. but I, re I can't answer that. <laughs> I love turning on the analytical thing. Yes, because you've and done research and everything else, yeah, right? So yeah, that's yeah. quite analytical. And, 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 you know, pulling out threads from people. And, I, you know, re I'm the person that will <laughs> read the annual report and find the typo on page 27, <laughs> you know. And I will also, but I'm also very happy if in a calm environment to, you know, read a production agreement or read a, I still read a distribution agreement and go, well, you know, the intellectual property's not quite spelled out right and we need to, you know, but it's, I now have to work harder at that than I do at the other, okay. other part of it. Um, but I, they, they sit so well together. There's actually quite a few of us legally trained people who work in the creative environment mm. because uh, well, I don't know. I don't know why, but they do sit. They do sit well together. Mm -hmm. And you know, I will talk to somebody about going on their board or helping out with something. And mm. people are people like both. Like the idea that I can come with a playfulness and a 
yeah. creation of ideas and a um, pulling out threads and a joining of things that are unrelated. So, you know, joining a, a technology, a conversation mm. we had about a Melbourne technology company with what's going on in a small theatre in Wellington, mm. you know, joining those up, people love that. And then I can also, you know, analyse something, tell you where something's gone wrong, find the details and advise for the future. Mm. Those sit well together. They work for me and they mm. work for organisations I work with. So, yeah. you and I don't think I'm unique. I think there's a few okay. of us around. Yeah, there's a few of us around. It's mind. You talked to the other. I've almost touched on every word I picked up on that one sentence, which is fantastic. But it sounds like a mindset. Yeah. And that's that other word. And, and I interesting. Mm. I told. I think I told you about this. Uh, I'm a, and I, a person I used to work, David Cross at Coco. He um he said this thing to me once where he mentioned how he had just turned forty or something, and he realised that you could break down your life into kind of rough decades. And he was. And he'd only realised that, and I thought, oh, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, you can, almost like, it's one of the, one of the few advantages we have over younger people. <laughs> you know, so, you the knees, the knees. Is we can, that's something we can come to in a situation or to a response, or situ uh, respond to a situation, we can bring in that kind of time. I think there's something about meta thinking so you mm. understand your own thinking process yeah, understand your own creative yeah. process you know you're not just um oh, it's, i'm just not just thinking but you're thinking about thinking mm. and s i've developed that ability and i know other people who have who go okay this needs this kind of thought process this kind of framing so when you when you are a real person before you become a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> you see the world through lots of different frames, right? Yeah. You see it through all these things. And when you come out of law school, at least when I came out of law school, and certainly when lots of people I know came out of law school, might be different now, um, <laughs> you, see the, you see the world through this tiny frame mm -hmm. of the law. Not necessarily what's lawful or illegal, but yeah. just of you have conversations and you frame things in that, in that legal sense. And I've had to work hard. I showed up at Shortland Street and they were like, whoa, you know, I can't have any more of that. Mm. And work really hard to kind of pull that frame back out. And so I can still look through the legal framework, but I can, and people can actively decide which, which framing to look through the world in. That's a, yeah, totally I that's right. I love that. Yeah. I had the same as me, university uh, designer. Mm -hmm. So everything I would approach from the day I left was through Swiss typography. Doesn't matter what. <laughs> Love a bit of and Helvetica. That's how I was going to solve everything I would have, every okay. design I was going to do. And it's an incredibly weak, weak sort of situation to be in, but it was kind of like that's all I got taught. Mm -hmm. And it is different these days. <laughs> um, but I can still do that if I have to. Yeah. But I choose when to mix yeah. and match those sorts yeah. of tools. And, but it's really interesting hearing how you make sense of the different sort of. Um, Areas you play in. Yeah. I mean, I think in essence you do bring you, the, you bring take all the conversations you're involved in and you bring turn them into action. Yeah. Essentially, which is kind of what I think you do as well. And I think I just certainly are trying to do that. I'm mm. not as good as you two at doing sure. that, but I'm trying. But would you say, would that be fair, or is that not quite right? Yeah, kind of. Like I was yes to that, but I was also intrigued by your framing idea. Mm. And. Yeah. I turned it into in my head just because we have different languages, right? Yeah. So I turned it on lenses, you know, yeah. like almost literal lenses that you put on or mm -hmm. hats or whatever you yeah. wear. And, and then I was very quickly, while you were describing that, applying that to me and going, yeah, I'm struggling with certain things in my life at the moment, 
But if I look at it from a different perspective, I can kind of get a handle on it better. Mm. So I'm thinking about my thinking, the metacognition, as you mm -hmm. describe it, yeah. But the problem I have then is just to then stick with it, which I suppose is, again, a learnt response or a learnt literacy response. If you've always got approached something that way, then you've broadened your frame and, or another lens, but then your strength is still what you describe as back. You're almost being dragged back like your, your North Star a little bit. You're kind of bringing back. Yeah. And I suppose the most talented of us can, can swim between everything, right? And yeah, for today I'm going to be the lawyer because that's what I need to be to approach these problems or set of well, issues. Well, that's what these people expect of me for this to help them right. get through this. Because yeah. these people are panicking and what they need is me to be <laughs> this type of person today Indeed. to resolve yeah. that. Yeah, I suppose I'm very... I'm making it a lot more personal rather than work sure. in my brain. You know, sure. I'm going, okay, how can I be that tough or that yeah. traditional lad or that more vulnerable person that I need to be in this? And that's like fascinating. I yeah. don't think you can avoid that. I mean, even, mm. even with that hat, lawyer hat on, you're still coming mm. with all those years and maybe more of a understanding of the challenges these people have faced that you've seen many times before. Oh, and, yeah. um, and I think a lot of it's about destroying some of the stuff because the reason perhaps I haven't got to that statement mm. might be because I'm going battling with what, is a what does a designer do? I still have that label. And it, maybe it's redundant. Maybe. And to embrace that and but run for the people unknown. Like, people like to label, right? I haven't been yeah. a lawyer for six years or something. Hmm. And before that, I wasn't really. I mean, I was technically a lawyer, registered and all the rest of it, but mm -hmm. I haven't been a, had the lawyer title for I don't know, it's probably 16 years now. Mm. And yet people still want to say that. And people probably do the same to you. They want yeah. to be a designer. Or a teacher. You know, or a know. teacher or mm. whatever. I don't know. People people like labels. And, you know, it's it's a it's an easy, yeah. easy categorisation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so restrictive. And you know why people do it, because otherwise you have to keep too much in your brain at one yeah. time. Yeah. But it can be so restrictive if mm. people say want, want to use that. And I, I still get people saying, oh, She's a lawyer, and actually, there's a statute that says I'm not allowed to call myself a lawyer anymore. You know, right, yeah. so I have to um, can go through this kind of boring conversation about how I explain how I'm not really, but you yeah. know, I'm prepared to provide you with the benefit of my experience, yeah. which is not legal advice. You know, indeed, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's a strange situation. I think in that case, I often drop in design thinking, yeah, because it's um, it's a pro most a lot of people know that, yeah, but I'm also use it as an opportunity to extend. To smash it apart? Yeah, because it, it won't be that for a lot. There's already a lot of critique out around about yeah, that whole world. And, it evolves. But, uh, if it's a thing that maybe gets them to relax a bit, mm. I'm, I'm, I'll, 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 use, I'll use it when need, needed. Yeah. But it's often to start a conversation. It's a shortcut to get to there so yeah. you can start yeah. something new and exciting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, supposed to answer your question about the action, moving people into action. Yeah. Just to kind of respond to that, and then I throw it over to you guys because you, you are directly involved in and have been and still are involved in educating people, usually younger, but maybe not as well. So thinking about the moving into action is something that I've done for the last probably two to three years. Every session that I now go and deliver for a client, whether it be a masterclass or a, a conference or something like that, the idea of priming, the, the audience or whomever's in front of me, yeah. only because I've now vastly learned that people come already with a set idea or they come with a lot of different things. 
you know, thinking about some family issues or that they've got to answer that email, they've got that report to write, there's stuff that they have to put out, like the bins tonight and stuff. And they bring in all this, their life with them. And almost what you want to do is let them empty that at the door. That would be great if there was like some kind of physical kind of metaphoric thing. Well, you arrive, could you just dump everything there and then you arrive as just a, a clean human being? But you can't, right? So you have to move them into some emotional state. So I've started to do the priming things we were discussing the other day about like very quickly just allowing people to move into a state that you want them to be in, that then you can, uh, I suppose, leverage off. Whether it be a playful mood, an emotional mood, an open physical mood, mm. right? That priming is really fun. And then I'm just trying to reflect that back into the educational system that we have today. Like, I was one of those people who didn't do that great at school. I was kind of medium, just a little bit under, right? And I hated school. If I res respond to it now and I think about my school days, it's just like, no, didn't really connect with anything going on there, right? So there's probably lots of stories about that to unpack let's not go there. But <laughs> we got time. But when I go into educational situations now and I'm like saying this is quite similar than I experienced. We haven't really moved vastly on. So we're talking about models, talking about engagement, like how do you see education? Because you've been in it for a few number of years now yeah. and you are still in it in terms of the educational NZ, but it's slightly different, but you've been in it running your own educational institution. Who's gonna answer the question of where has it come from? How has it evolved? And how hopeful, if anything, you are? Can I answer? Just Young man, throw in something in between <laughs> before handing oh, over to you. Oh, you're going to drift the tough questions. Not okay. Yeah. yeah, damn. That's damn straight. Is that I would say that that's one of the things that works incredibly well with the BBDO approach is, right. is that if they do come with baggage, if you put your arm out and so on, it really disrupts. Oh, right, yeah. Because they can't think of anything but... And mm. so a lot of people have said that it was great because I just stopped thinking about it. And so it is, um, so that, again, nice. yeah, small gestures it, can lead, you know, get big ideas moving and stuff. Mm. So it has been effective. But um, what do you think about the educational context? What about the entire education system? <laughs> I, look, I'm, I'm not an educator. I'm not an educator. I'm not an expert in the education system. I only, I only know the bit that I know. Mm. But the bit that I know responds to some of what you're saying in terms mm. of the people who didn't like school, or I like to think of it as didn't get on with school because it's a two-way relationship, yep. you know. Totally. And there are so many other things you can do with education other than what you fought with at school. So your education can be in a workplace or it could be yep. in a physical environment, you know, people moving around, people learning with their body, mm. you know. So um, I think of hairdressing, right? Yeah. Hairdressing is, is a lot of chat. And there's very specific skills that people need as a hairdresser around, you know, chemicals and cutting and things like that. But a lot of it is physical, you know, a lot of cleanliness, cleaning up. Mm. And, and some people learn better if they're standing on their feet doing yeah. something. Mm. Um, and also, you know, things like hairdressing and there are other things that one of the big skills is talking to people, understanding their needs, mm. chatting with them all day, you know, Hairdressers talk, I don't know, the rest of us talk 22,000 words a day. Hairdressers probably talk 50,000 words a day. <laughs> yeah. And listen and, you know, and do their mm. job. So there's, 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 there's ways to get people who were not great. And we, we all know, right, the more education you get, the chances of you being a, you know, a long-time achieving citizen mm. is higher, right? 
So there, there are ways for the education system to respond to those people who don't get on with school. Yeah. And I think the more that we find of those, the better. And some of that's getting them you know, out into the workforce. Some of, them's, some of that's getting them into physical environments where they're not sitting on their bum all day staring at somebody. Yeah. Some mm. of that's um, you know, educating in different ways. Some of that is, is you know, moving them into tertiary because they're, um, they're actually spirits ahead mm. and they're just being held back by what's going on at school. So there's, there's lots of yeah. different opportunities. Mm. I'm doing my bit of that <laughs> as much as I can. Mm -hmm. I can't influence the rest too much. But I, I love school, but that's because I just love information and gathering things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll read anything. I read the back of the shampoo bottle. I read the <laughs> notices on the bus. You know, I read everything. Mm -hmm. And I, so I gather information and data and, you know, I watch everything. And, you know, luckily YouTube wasn't around when I was a kid. I, was, <laughs> I would have been the kid at the back. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. But I'm also watching how to... <laughs> new stitch you, just, you know I'm with you on the Shakespeare I'm just learning this stitch. that would be me mm -hmm. um, <laughs> while also tapping my foot um, but I went I didn't know this but I went to a school and when I first started school was in the UK and I went to a school that didn't look like any other school but because it was the only school I'd ever been to so I had no yes, idea yeah. that it yeah. wasn't like mm. every other school yeah. it had no doors oh, except yeah. on the school hall so all the classrooms were open and there were library sort of sm small library sort of spaces between all those um, mm. all those school all those rooms and and so everything was sort of fluid and you could hear what's going on in other spaces and things so whether that was an experiment, I don't, still don't know whether that was an experiment or that was a <laughs> change or, or not, whatever. <laughs> but it was, and it didn't have, you know, you think of a school and you think of a long corridor and everything coming off yeah. it, wasn't any of that, mm. wasn't any of that. Okay. Um, and. I guess what I'm saying is, I is you only know what you know, mm -hmm. and you know the school system that you've you've brushed yeah. up against. But there are there are other options out there, yeah. and Agreed. yeah, the longer we keep people in education mm -hmm. over their whole lifetime, you know, mm. people yeah. who yeah, you know, and I'm not down on education. Person. I know you're not. I'm down on my not. experience yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing the other things that I do, That's right. which create spaces for learning yeah. in in theory. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm interested in your, your take on it because you've been at an institution yeah. and would have seen <laughs> students coming in and out over the course of, you know, however long you've been there now. Well, probably better to say Massey University than an institution. It's given the wrong okay, impression Okay, Massey here. University. I didn't mean it quite <laughs> like that. It's a learning institution. I just mean it as yeah. that. Um, so how have you seen it change, even in terms of expectations from students as well? Because they have an yeah. influence, right? Picking up on what you're saying, it's just an insanely complex situation. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to know what that was called, what you were involved in, because I do have students working on projects. Is it MLS or MSE environments? There's a big push in New Zealand, New Zealand context in the primary sector to get more big classes and big rooms. Yeah, I don't know. It, the, yeah, I went to it was a school in Kent in the UK. Right, yeah. It was just a school down the road. I forgot what it's called, I have to say. Um, yeah, we, I suppose over the 18 years I've been at, at Massey and the College of Creative Arts, it's, um, you know, I've had a range of experiences from being um, almost homeless and sort of teaching classes and prefabs sprinkled at different times at different years across right. the campus to being in, you know, fantastic old buildings like the Dominion building which have terrible soundproofing so they're unteachable and um, through to being very lucky to get um, this new build, building, Te Arahiko, and which is kind of 
this kind of glass bowl, three-leveled sort of open plan space, which is fantastic in lots mm -hmm. of ways, but also um, that would have been better if they had involved the people who are on the ground working in the space and teaching in the space to right. have designed or added some features there that would have been useful for people actually using the space. And saying that, I'm very happy to be in the building, <laughs> teaching in the building. Um, yeah, I, th I think a lot of stuff that was happening 18 years ago is still happening today. Mm. And I think there's a difference between where I teach or involved in and different parts of different campuses and different institutions. Gotcha. And so when I mean, people often talk about teaching or education, it's a, it's a huge continuum of yeah. different types of experiences for different students in different areas. You know, you mentioned hairdressing, and uh, it was really fantastic seeing the different range and dance mm -hmm. in your space. That was mm -hmm. cool, walking through spaces where there's mm -hmm. dancing happening. And, yeah. um, but a huge range of different learning things. Um, and, and combined with that is a, a huge range of students arriving at our doors mm -hmm. in, different, in different parts of their lives. Yeah. Um, then throw in teaching and teaching and how it evolves and how people are responding to all those things at the same time. It's incredibly complex. Yeah. And so I suppose all you can do is find your place in the world and continue to evolve your teaching as a practice, just mm -hmm. like any other practice. Yeah. And so I, I love the idea that um, I'm in a place where every year it's different. Yeah. And so we never just roll out the same lectures every year or I don't really do lectures and so if I do, it's 20 minutes long because of the, the context. Mm -hmm. um, but every year we need to evolve what makes sense for that group of students that are coming to me. What, are, what were they like? Were they a little slack or were they kind of really pumped and excited and up for anything? So we should be evolving our teaching based on the students we get in that context for that year, that week, this okay. year. And bearing in mind COVID. Okay, so, yeah, that's an external yeah. influence that you yeah. didn't think about. No, but how has it evolved, though? 18 years? Oh, okay, well, it's... Can um, you literally go back to, like, your it's year one? It's about me and more about them. <laughs> you know, it's less about me being at the front. It's right. more about... But that still happens. Don't get me wrong. Of course, so the stage. hero teacher is still alive and yeah. kicking in <laughs> in education big time. I hold yeah. all the knowledge. I hold the knowledge. I'm the and guru. This is the way it's running. Mm. And, um, <laughs> and so what I'm really keen on doing is is being more distributed of you know like I like the idea that there are moments where that makes sense you know you know we need to deliver content to a lot of people so yes let's do this yeah. let's, but let's think about the audience rather than just give a lecture mm. so if you're going to do a lecture about ethnography um, that would probably the most dull thing you could do potentially on a lecture theater so well let's go for a coffee at Havana and then afterwards we'll talk about what you experienced and, I, and that's you've just experienced ethnography right. in action and it was nothing to do with the coffee it's about your experience through those two hours and so that's what we'll do love it yeah so i love doing ethnography lectures because i get coffee so you're hiding <laughs> the play hiding the learning yeah, it's like almost a trojan horse right yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and more recently it's got more exciting you know because we can okay. um you know things like liberating structures um, are really empowering so we can think about how do we um, get students to learn together so that um, we work alongside them um, yeah. and increasingly technology so the thing that I'm current thing that I'm thinking about because I can go on forever so the <laughs> most interesting thing for me would be conversations I'm having around you know we learned a lot of cool stuff during COVID and there's this race to go back before COVID yeah and I think it's a real problem yeah and so what I really like to do is to sort of pull back and think about what happened 
and what happened at that conference um, that Andre Mannix and I did in last week online for, from 7 to 10 each night with these students is, is to think, well, what, what can we take from these experiences and apply and use the best of everything, mm. depending on what we want them to learn and mix it up a bit. And it doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes some, a bit of bravery. Yeah, bravery. And, a bit, and, and like you mentioned, like, uh, the idea of being open to stuff. So I think after doing the conference, it was, a, it was clear to me that, that using Mural as a technology and a platform, mm-hmm. you know, I had sort of almost forgot about it. And I think I'm going to take what I learned on Thursday and I'm going to apply it my class on Monday. Gotcha. And so well, I did. Okay. And so we'll apply that mural and mix it up with Zoom and um, mobile technologies. And we'll move all these together to respond to a situation, whether depending on what it is. And so I think it's about being, understanding kind of what what makes sense for, or what what do you need for that context and just mm-hmm. keep evolving and using the exploring and being experimenting and and bringing your students into the process and learning from the students so i'm learning as much as yesterday when i tried out with the students so i'm learning sure. that maybe next time i do it differently well you touched on technology i would imagine that's going to be an influencing factor on change yeah. in education yeah, and has been in the last 20 years i remember in 2006 seven something like that delivering a course online Right. to and it was called Pacific Youth because I was involved in youth work and new media back then. Mm. So uh, we were delivering a five-week course to students in Fiji, Papua New Guinea and Tonga online in 2006 and 7 <laughs> on um, having voice, essentially. So teaching them how to blog and podcast and things like that. And we did it all <laughs> online at well, that time, right? Yeah. Wow, and, and at the time we thought, we're like, wow, this is so cool, and we were jumping on Skype with them, we were getting them to use blogger.com, Blogspot, yes. I think it was called back then, and yeah. then being, <laughs> just the Google kind of platform, and just getting, take fit, make videos, take pictures, audio and stuff, all about their lives, and we did it kind of in a group way, so we started individually, in individual groups, and brought them all together. Fantastic, right? Mm. But that was an emerging tech, and now, obviously, you can do that, and anybody's aware that you can do that. Yeah. And there's so many platforms out there you can do that or not. There's ones we had to scrape to see if it all fitted together. I'm wondering how much in your discipline of design has technology influenced That's huge. Um, that, change that change. Yeah? Everything. Everything. And yeah. I think what we're trying to do is to pull it back a little. I think, um, you know, to, it's easy to get lost and seduced. And I also think it's yeah. not necessarily all positive. Um, so the encroachment of mobile technology into the space. Um, yeah. you know, I've got one-armed students walking around. Yeah, you know. the distraction, right? It's a distraction. You know, so it's, it's, it's a disabling technology at time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's... Um, but I, so I'm, in the last few years, I've been playing with it, or just, just reminding myself again with that meta thing, is to say, well, the importance of drawing. Mm. I don't want them to learn how to draw. Uh, you know, if you want to, go for it. But I just want to see you sketching and ideating because this is so seductive, you know, mm-hmm. this, if I put something on a computer, it's finished. Mm-hmm. So if I can hold them back right. or show that there's value in sort of rough and analog yeah. and... And sharing that, right? And, also, and not being precious. Also, there's, there's research that shows that if you go from, your, from someone talking to you, to your brain, to a pen or pencil, to your, you know, to your arm and your hand creating that, whether that's writing or drawing, mm-hmm. you retain it. If, whereas if mm. you're just typing, yeah. it's it doesn't actually pass through your brain. Interesting. It's yeah. got to be a written rather than a tip. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, type, typing out later is a kind of revision technique, <laughs> but longhand or longhand or you know, or shorthand mm. kind of note-taking writing, mm. you're, it goes through your brain because your brain has to drive your mm. hand properly. Yeah. But if you're typing, because we're all so good at typing now, yeah, it, typing doesn't require your your memory to, to be involved. Yeah. So, and mm. I would I would bet you the same as with drawing because yeah. you're creating a, you, you're creating something that's relative to other things as opposed yeah. to just being straight. Indeed. It's interesting because it opens up things more. Like I'm thinking, yeah. now I'm thinking about redoing my class basing what you're saying for next time I do this project. But I think um, I would force them to, uh, well, I'd encourage them, but I would just definitely force them to. <laughs> but I would make it mandatory, <laughs> like buses <laughs> with the masks here, yeah, right. Um, I would say I want to see something, but it's on the wall, but it's rough because it just opens up. The project's still open while it's yeah. a rough drawing. Yeah. Could you and extend that brief a little bit? Saying, I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. I need you to make notes of this, but you can't use words. Yeah, that'd be right. Great. Yeah, you could do that. Because it would spark so much imagination in them to what you're saying. And then, like you say, we show and see how different everybody is in terms of the interpretation. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, I should have drawn that that way because, it, and people then be ignited by that. Well, then that would be, a, that's an exercise pretty much every design student does in the first few weeks of of their tertiary right. education is draw, draw a sound. Mm. And so, again, we've got to remember these building blocks that we've, yeah. you know, these, these are still useful as loops Pull through the, the whole in, process. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the other thing I was going to just rip, throw it into the mix is I think that the rooms are, um, the, the idea of rooms, I mean, it's interesting, you know, doors, but I, th I, I see them as porous. You know, the, the, these walls, are, you know, I can see through them the whole, so just, you can come, if you're doing a creative leadership course, which we're doing next semester, mm. please sign up. It's like, nice. Is the you can come to you can come to class. We're going to meet, but do the whole course outside of the outside of the building. You know, like you're alluding to. It's like it's like mm. um, wherever you learn or wherever you can do this project, and if you whoever you want to work with anywhere in the world, just go and do it. Mm. Okay. Don't let us hold you back. Yeah. yeah, and we'll come for the ride with you, and we'll encourage you and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I think that's something we've learned from the pandemic yeah. is that you don't have to be in the same place or the same time zone or you don't mm. have to travel to connect with somebody. And because everybody's been or continues to be you know, in lockdown somewhere, we've got used to uh, that the... We've got used to the ability to, to create relationships with people that we don't, are not in the same space with. Mm. And I think that's going to impact education, I think it's going to impact conferences, I think it's going to impact yeah. all those sorts of things. I saw that, yeah. um, I think it's the Dunedin Writers' Festival's coming up and Ai Weiwei's going, and I doubt he's going. I mean, if he is, awesome, but I suspect he's not. Right. Um, yeah, but he's advertised as He's advertised part as a big face on part of, and, mm. and beaming him in would be, I mean, incredible. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that's changed and mm. will be a, a permanent gain, mm. is how we can create teams internationally and around you know, around New Zealand even, which we were assuming we had to get on a plane and waste yeah. eight hours yeah. to have a two-hour yeah. conversation. Yeah. The challenge You're with right. that, though, is I see a lot of conference and event organisers doing exactly what they did in real life yeah. and just throwing it up virtually. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't transmit as well. No. And also, people don't pay as much as if it's a virtual experience. So the whole business model needs to change. Yeah. And I'm working with a client at the moment who... Um, I do online MCM for, and we bring in international 
architects and designers from around the world and I'm learning so much about this stuff, it's wicked. But we're starting to think about uh, um, getting the speakers to record it before uh, so that we can nuance it and we can help them to create a better experience, learning experience. Because when people turn up, what usually happens is they share their screen. There's a disembodied voice over the top of a presentation. Mm. And straight away, the energy goes a little... Because you're human. Now, you know you, no one can see you. Mm. So you're just reading. Unless you're a Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter. You know, you can <laughs> which throw enthusiasm, which we're all not. We can say... Um, it's, you, you lack something when you know you're not being looked at. Yeah. You do. Whereas if you're being looked at, you've got an emotional cue going on, which is your face. So if it's exciting, I might not tonally sound exciting, but straight away it's like, yeah. this is wicked, you know? Or if it's serious, the other way, right? And we lose that. And I'm trying to get, you know, think about how we can fold that into util utilizing the technology, but still have the amplification of the human condition mm. in the story. Mm. That's giving and receiving to, right? Yeah, yeah, this is and so... And it's thinking about the audience. Yeah. Exactly. The, the lens of the audience. There yeah. we go. You've got to, Design you've, you've got yeah. to come from the point of view of your receiver. Indeed. And the technology question I want to throw in your lap from a perspective of your involvement with the Gibson Group for so long and how creating live experiences has evolved and what is possible now. Love to have you just kind of ruminate on what, what has technology done for that space. So it's changing again mm. and it's changing all the time so one of the things that happens in let's say museums or art galleries or visitor experiences is they rightly sit down and go right who's our audience and i'm a big fan of the question who's my audience sure. and people will say right we need to get more youth come through you know, okay great and then they go right therefore we need technology right straight they, away straight away as opposed to and so we get you know for a while then we haven't had it for a while but for for a good few years we were getting the calls that went right we, we need a visit we need a um ve experience or you know vr experience right you know so some sort of um headphone head headset screen something 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 mm -hmm. and we'd say oh yeah why is that oh yeah we need more youth okay what story do you want to tell oh. <laughs> oh so we always have to have these conversations that go great audiences are great it's the right place to start yeah what's story do you want to tell yeah. what artifacts or mm. information? Because mm. if they're museums, they've got, often got physical artifacts, which are amazing. You can't beat yeah. a physical artifact. Yes. But you can do things with physical artifacts. So mm. what story do you want to tell? What artifacts, physical or otherwise, do you have? Who will tell those stories for you? Do you have mm. curators? Do you have video of the actual person who lived through that earthquake or whatever? Mm. How do we bring that story to young people and what kind of young people do you mean because they're all yeah. different don't worry and the answer may or may not be technology mm -hmm. so people who leap to technology are usually wrong mm -hmm. and if they're right they're right for the wrong reasons or accidentally yeah. <laughs> so and and there are problems there's a lot of problems with technology particularly in a post-covid environment with all mm -hmm. those ha ha those things you put on and, and even the ha ha handsets right? handsets and all that so yeah. there was always a problem before because mm. even if you weren't thinking you were going to catch COVID, you still got someone else's sweat on your face, which yeah. is icky. Yeah. And, and when you put those, there's only a certain amount of people you can get through and a certain mm -hmm. amount of time and all those things. So technology really, it does have the ability to bring us closer and make yeah. us understand story. But you, you have to start from story. You have to start from mm -hmm. audience. What audience do we want to reach? What story do you want to tell? How do we tell that story? Maybe we tell that story with a, 
a physical maze yeah. and um, a bunch of objects and a chainsaw. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe we tell it with a screen or yeah. a small screen or a large screen yeah. or a headset or online or you know how do, those are those are technologies that flow from mm. the story or the even piggyback in the technologies people have in their back pocket right that's right you come and you kind of augment oh we already know that you've got this qr code you know on the app yep. you've got a guided yep. tour because you're on a website yep. and it's all or turn your phone off and or mm. take a photo and upload it there yeah. and then that activates yeah. that and and there was a while there where every place you went to wanted you to download their app and all this yes. and that's yeah. extremely annoying when you're traveling. I <laughs> went, uh, coming back to me being a recovering lawyer, mm-hmm. when I was in the UK, I think it was the last time, there was a celebration of whatever number of years of the Magna Carta, right. which is a fundamental document of mm-hmm. English law and therefore of New Zealand law, sort of, doesn't really apply in New Zealand, long story. Um, and there was the opportunity to go and see a copy of the Magna Carta wow. okay. at the, I think it was the British Library. Because three were made, weren't they? Uh, three or four, yeah. yeah three and um, original copy, you know, yeah. dark, dark room, mm-hmm. spookily lit, only available at certain times because it had to be preserved, all the good stuff. Mm. Can't go past an object, right? Mm. Love an object. And <laughs> uh, in order to book tickets, I had to download the, I think it was a British Library, I had to download the British oh. Library app. And then, uh, you know, I was therefore getting messages from the British Library yeah. saying, you know, don't a new exhibition. I'm like, oh, there was, I've left the country, yeah. you know, you know. So there's all sorts of challenges mm. with that stuff because a, a lot of visitors to some places are there for the yeah. 12 hours. They're in the town for 12 hours. And also the, the emergence of this experience because it's now got a, like a, a what do you call it, a LBE, an acronym, isn't it? Local, Lo- Location-based entertainment. entertainment which is a new or thing. Or yeah. yeah. But yeah. Exactly. But it's been going on for years, as you said, in museums and other places. Yeah. Um, theatre is a location of Theatre is the big one, right? <laughs> Bats Theatre that you were involved with all those years. But, uh, but I see it emerging as, a, as more of a discipline now. And, and it's kind of, again, bringing in like game, gaming yeah. and gamification yeah. a lot. So bringing in yeah. the gaming kind mm-hmm. of aspect, the world building aspects yeah. of, you know, yeah. um, just like role playing games and video mm-hmm. games and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So many disciplines now being kind of pulled into this yeah. LBE, you yeah. know, and go wetter going into that space now. And, and some mm-hmm. other players going, oh, we'll have a bit of that. It's fascinating. Yes. And what's. What's lovely about about it is it's is it it's about experiences. It's not about mm. f- taking something home or having something on the shelf. It's about going with your friend or your mm. colleague or your family or yeah. whatever and having a mm-hmm. a collective experience. Talked about collective, and mm. one of the challenges that we always had and which museums and galleries still grapple with is if you and I go to, uh, you and I go to an art gallery together, great, mm-hmm. we might do that. We want an uh, audio tour. What happens? We put our headphones on. Oh, yeah. And we walk at different places. We yeah. listen to different things. And we have a singular experience. Mm-hmm. So we, we went together. We thought we'd enjoy going to an art gallery together. And now we're separated. We're separated <laughs> and I'm looking at all the things that are made of fabric and you're looking at all the paintings or photographs. I don't know, mm-hmm. which is fine. But we're not. We're going to share afterwards, but we're not sharing yeah. the experience at the time. Or we're not having the influence of you going, look at this, and look then you go, no, you don't understand. The stitching on this means blah, blah, blah. And yeah. like, oh, no, I would have walked past that. Yeah. 
without that relevance. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's um, it's an interesting one because a lot of people, some people do absolutely, and I've done it in hundreds mm. of countries, go to these experiences by themselves. Mm. But if you go with somebody, mm. there's a pleasure in going. Yeah. Your, your experience is amplified if you go with somebody else. And there's actually different types of research, different types of audiences. Some audiences actually get most of their pleasure out of seeing somebody else enjoy it, particularly yeah. parents mm. and grandparents. In that, if they're in that environment, in that role, mm. the fact that their kid is having fun, enjoying themselves, learning something, yeah. they get a lot of experience. If they were going by themselves or with their friend, they'd, they'd have a different enjoyment from it. Fascinating. Yeah. So we've got to be careful with things that separate people out when they're trying to, trying to enjoy things together, which is actually where screens, because you and I can stand with a phone yeah. or an iPad yeah. or a screen and go, hey, look at this. Yeah. Or oh, and then you know learn something here. Look up at the object, or look up at the story. And I want to zoom can... in there and press it and expand. That's right. And we can do that together. Yeah. And I will lead you on a different path than you would lead me. Indeed. And we would yeah. En yeah. enjoy. We'd have a different experience than if we went separately. Yeah. Hmm. Or, or if we'd you know if you'd gone with somebody else. Yeah. You know, and and that's a be there's a beauty in mm. that. It's one of the reasons people can go back hmm. to say to Papa. Yeah. With different people been, because yeah. you go down different paths. Yeah. And some of the. Some of the work that we've done with um, Gibson Group, the big giant screens that we do, you know, 10 metres of touchscreen, mm. that we've done in five or six different locations around the world now. Wow. The beauty of that is that it's, it's a larger than human scale. You know, mm. you stand in front of it and, and you're swamped by it and the person standing next to you is either somebody you went with or actually what we've seen and we've got footage of this and we've got research on this is that people will, I'll be exploring, random stranger will go, oh, I remember that. <laughs> and suddenly... You're having a conversation with somebody yeah. mm. about a shared experience that you didn't know you had Indeed. and that you, you mm. wouldn't have had if it was yeah. on your phone because they're not going to see your phone, right? Well, I, they're going to see this giant 10 metres of something. The shared experience idea of, of creating collisions, yeah. you know, mm. intentional or unintentional, but yeah. that's obviously an intentional mm. thing. It reminded me of what we were talking about the other day, which is me and Victoria and a bunch of other people went to C2, which is in uh, Montreal. It's an mm. event that happens over three days from recollection, three and a half days. And C2 stands for Commerce and Creativity. And it's run by very established people, but, and, and it's a very highbrow, uh, in terms of the attraction of the speakers that they have experienced, but it's a, a large experience as well, multi-dimensional over one space, but lots of things going on. And one of them was an experience that both you and I but not together, but mm. separately went on, which was a, um, a, a multi or, or depletion of sensory experience. So you had to wear a blindfold and you went into a dark room with others. Uh, you were led and you had to hold each other's shoulders to walk in. Then you were split up around the table, what you thought was, and you could hear people around you. Then you were told there was something in the middle mm. that you could uh, reach out and touch and then you had to build a tower out of whatever you find on the table, but you can speak. Mm and you had to do it collaboratively. Mm. So you were restricted by not using voice and you were restricted <laughs> by not seeing. So what you ended up with was awful, right? And it was just like, you couldn't, you touching people's hands again, pre-COVID. It's wild what you could get yeah. away with back then. <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> wow, touching people legally and everything. <laughs> Well, you didn't know. <laughs> and you didn't know as well, in a dark room, blindfolded. Well, snuffling. Exactly. <laughs> I found that equally, uh, sorry, more challenging because yeah. of my hearing impairment. Yes, of course. So as I was, before I put my mask on, I pulled the lady aside and I just let you know, I'm kind of 50% really in mm -hmm. terms of that. And a lot of my hearing comes from looking. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she was like, okay, I'll stand next to you when I'm shouting the instruction. <laughs> I was like, perfect. So yeah. I had the lady there shouting, because that's how they did it, wasn't it? Yeah. They were shouting the instructions out. And it was like, great. But that was really nice. And I suppose that comes back to thinking about other differently able people as well in that experience. Like a lot of people haptically can play around, but what if you don't have sight? And all these other things. I think a lot of, we're becoming a lot more literate around that. Yeah, I think we are. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, we need to expect people to learn and create in different ways. Yeah, you know, lovely, yeah. You know, <laughs> note-taking, drawing, mind maps, recording, re-listening later. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all those things that people... Mm. Uh, and people want to contribute in different ways. So some people won't contribute in a room at all. Then they'll send you an email later and go, well, these are the following three things, <laughs> I think. And... Mm. You know, if there's decisions made in the room, it can be frustrating. But yeah. there are those different ways that people um, people think fast and slow, and neither is better. Hmm. So there's mm. lots of yeah. different mm. ways that people contribute, yeah. and as you say, we're getting more literate about that. I think so. I think yeah. it's really interesting because you think I think about one of the best, most exciting experiences I had was at Team Labs at Borderless in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. you, you've been to that? Right. No, tell us about so that. It's just an immersive sort of um, digital environment, so it's kind of insane. What, they, what you're experiencing, whether it's making your way through these balls, big gigantic balls that are lighting up as you interact with them through to these rooms that are full of digital projections and stuff. So it's yeah. kind of like what happened at Tapaba by like a time 2000. And wow. so I saw this morning, that's something interesting that happened this morning, is that you can now go in there and have a sauna and be immersed within the same kind of thing, but sit there, slow down in the heat. <laughs> wow. And I that's, uh, when you're talking, it reminds it kind of re reminds me of kind of what I'm thinking about at the moment. I don't. I'd be curious what your opinions are. Is that I? Uh, a lot of what I've been thinking about was about experience and how it's about an, an experience engagement. That's what I do. But I actually mm -hmm. feel like recently, and as I get to understand the project, and I think about kind of what's happening and what you've been talking about with COVID and technology and maybe things we're trying that maybe we wouldn't have before. Is that if I think about where experience came from in the experience economy, the Pine and Gilmore things back in '09, and, and I think it was a new updated version slightly about two years ago or something. You know what they were talking about was the experience economy, but what they were alluding to was that it was going to turn into the transformation economy eventually. Mm. And I get the sense that maybe is that we are what their position would be that is that experience has become commoditized, and I feel like it is too. Is that mm -hmm. we've been there, done that, and so if that is, if we're evolving past that, we are producing transformational experiences, which seems like maybe that big wall. I'd like to experience it myself to sort of feel it, but that seems like it's more than just an experience. You know, yeah. people can play with it. It's a but com more it can happens. Be building. It's mm -hmm. more than just memory. It's like there's more to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think that's where the exciting thing is. I yeah. do believe I get, I get the sense that transformational experiences is maybe we're starting to move paradigms. For sure. Slowly, and maybe COVID's accelerating it. What do you think? Disagree? Hate it? Love it? Don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> I think everything runs the risk of being commodified. And so the mm. fight is to ensure that you're responding to the environment. You're responding to audience, you're responding to story, you're responding to what is required for that particular uh, space, audience, environment. You talked about customizable yeah. transformations. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what I, why I'm reminded of yeah. is it, it needs to be literally customized to everybody. Well, and so it's like, and so that's possible. Okay. 
Yes and, and no, because mm. if, if you knew something about me, you mm. might provide me with what you assume is customizable to be. But yeah, I'm, yeah. that that would narrow that would give me a narrow experience. Depends yeah. whether I'm building what my involvement in, is in the experience ahead of time or during, and it evolves, changes as I do it. Sure. So, so maybe there's a, a continuum in that as as well. Yeah, sure. but you, if, if you if you customize too much, you run the risk of just spiraling mm. down to being a very narrow thing that you just that I don't know. I'm not that sure. I don't get the opportunity to choose a part of. Mm. So what's interesting is like, if you think what is transformative at the moment, and we can stick that label on mm. it. I would say education, right, is a transformative experience, or at least it intends to be, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Would you say that go into like a big production um, world of wearable art? Mm -hmm. Now, highly visual, moves lots of people in different ways. It's validated, a lot of people go every year, right? Yeah. Is that transformative though? Uh, my, my guess is it's an experience. Cool, yeah. Uh, but then how wrong. could you customize it to be more transformative oh, right. as well? <laughs> I mean, so it's an amazing stage, experience. Right? So yeah, <laughs> for me, I've sat there and I've looked up and I'm at these dresses, you know, and they revolve and stuff. And I go, cool. I have no literacy whether to tell if that's cool beyond me just saying cool or not, right? I don't know if that yeah. is good as a design dress. I think you know? the difference is, does it, what do you do, what do you do to change yourself in response to that's that experience? Right. Is that, but also could it be that if you're not um, that inclined in terms of fashion, like am, um, yeah. could there be a customizable option for me oh, to I have some not. kind of just, yeah. thing? So I suppose it all, I suppose it's self-directed, customized, mm. would be mm. more powerful than just a forced customization. Like, yeah. oh, you're a lady, you like purple, therefore mm, I'm going to make that assumption about you, right? Yeah. You're right, is that a true one? It could have been you just put that on today, yeah. but I know it's not because I know you better. Anyway, point is assumptions are the dangerous one when it comes to customization. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Good I, mean, I think you can take something like World of Wearable Arts, which is, you know, it's a, it's an experience. You sit there, you you absorb it, and it's quite overwhelming. It can yeah, be overwhelming. For there sure. are people who for whom that is too overwhelming. Yeah. And there's people like me who are like I want to get close to this and touch this. And right. <laughs> Victoria, back off. Yeah. Um, Keep off the stage. Remove yeah. the lady coming down the thing. <laughs> yes. We've got a history with her. She wants to support everything. Yeah. Actually, Victoria I was again. in the early days to sit right up close, and then because I was with a sponsor, we got to not touch, but they came out. Everyone else, you know, 2,000 people had gone switch. away. Okay, and you got, we got up closer. To, um, get up close, which was great. That's mm. kind of cool. Big fan. Mm. Um, but you could, you could, you know, have this conversation with Dave, who runs WOW any day he likes. Um, you know, you could take that and go, right, what do we do with WOW? Do we, because it's about what do you, how does it transform you? Yeah. You go there, do you, every year I go, yeah. oh, I could do this. And I never have. <laughs> You've never submitted a design? No, 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 goodness no. Do it. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Now that I've got time. Um, <laughs> it, but what, even if it doesn't, what does it, does it mean I go out and buy some wool? Does it mean mm. I go and, you know, break down that velvet jacket that doesn't fit anymore and change it into, you know, yeah. what does it do? Well, it, how, how do you how measure do I, it, I suppose, I, is the question, Yeah, right? how do I respond to that? And there are ways to, if that was the plan of <clears throat> WOW, which I don't think it is, but if yeah. that was the plan of WOW, you know, you would run workshops afterwards right, yeah. the next day with people who've been and you'd say, right, we've got all these offcuts from mm. factories mm. or whatever, come along and we'll show you how to yeah. curl newspaper or yeah. use glitter to do whatever, glitter the herpes of craft supplies. Um, whatever, use use whatever's around <laughs> to create something. Hashtag, <laughs> herpes of craft life. 
<laughs> I think that's going to be my new Twitter right, I love what you're saying because you, you can extend the before, during and after and you all can. of a sudden I can, you can. You can be watching them building and you're going, I might Ooh, do that. Could yeah. I add one more thing? They could also extend into some e-courses, right? Yeah. And start. As an ex- no, it's yeah. like, there's the I mean, learning the from some start. of the... Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Yeah. So Dave Gouget, who's now running it, should be taking all these ideas, and I'm sure he's... Um, <laughs> Give him a time break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Um, I suppose where I'm, I'm struggle when it comes to the transformative label is how do you know it's happened? A lot of experiences... If we think about LBEs and stuff, people come once and they disappear. And there's sometimes a follow-up with a, with a questionnaire. But let's be honest, who answers questionnaires when you've gone to something? It's like that email saying, hey, we've got another thing. I've got to be honest, I don't. Yeah. Um, but how do you follow up with mm. real impact and follow that research lens? Well, and the irony of uh, transformation, transform, transformation is a bad word. It's like it's like kind of like a word come with a lot of bad history. It's like innovation, I suppose, like, uh, right? I, I don't yeah. even I avoid it anywhere. Okay, because it comes you with the biggest... so many words. I can surprise you. Can well, it's my it's my world. <laughs> <laughs> you say it wrong, you're you're in trouble. Mm. And so oh, you get rid of that. You get sorry. rid of design leadership. I don't use that. Um, and so, but transformation comes, I suppose, in the leadership space comes with a certain expectation and a history. Yeah, yeah. And so, but ironically, what I have learned, and I might be wrong again. You know, but as a transformations or transformative experience are very personal. Is mm. yeah. um, so, but experiences. But it's interesting that you talked about the idea of those headphones as being this kind of. And it's a bizarre that you go along and yeah, never thought about. And it. I'm not it's saying it, it's good because it's individual. It's like you know, there's so many bad experiences out there too. But they just put the word experience on. Yeah. And like you said, they just are jumping. Um, the guy G.K. Van Patter you may know in New York at Humantific, he talks about assumption-based methodologies. Mm-hmm. And I try and bring that in a lot in my third and fourth year students mm-hmm. because they, we often get students coming to courses who will do something like, I'm going to design, I'm going to use um, typography or I'm going to use experience design to solve this problem on day one. And I'm going, you're, you're coming with assumptions based on this comes with assumptions that this is a type of situation that demands that type of response rather than let's learn more, let's talk to people and then work out whether that makes sense. And it could well do, but it could be it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. you're a, and so a lot, of my, a lot of things I have to battle early on in the final year is to, is to give them space to open up rather than to break down those silos which are still you know, strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people come from their own point of view too. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid... I like That's X, right. therefore children like X. That's right, yeah. And I'm a person at a university and I think X, therefore... I've always done it that way. everything yeah. X, yeah. you yeah. know? Every person between the age of, of, of mm. 18 and a half and 21. seen it 21. before. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't work. It, it, well, that's right. All that so, stuff, yeah. so you have to ask, I mean, you've got to ask the target group. But what I always say to people as well is... So we talk to museums and the attractions. They say, oh, we're, gonna, we're asking our audience what they like about it. I'm like, okay, great. Also, ask the people who don't come. Mm-hmm. Go and find all those people who are not coming to your museum and finding out why. For yeah. sure. Because that's the rich stuff. That's, it can be rich. <laughs> or you, you, know, you, might know, you might learn that they're lost souls and you're never going to get them. Mm-hmm. But ask them anyway because yeah. the people yeah. who you have, you've already captured, you've already captured, and that's great. And you can amplify that and get them to come mm-hmm. twice instead of only once a year or whatever. Yeah. But also the people who walk past. Who are those people who walk past every day, on their way never. to work, and never come in? Yeah. Why not? Perfect yeah. question. What assumptions have they got? Yeah, totally. 
So yeah. I'm aware of your time limits that we have here. So to wrap up, we ask a general question. Oh dear. Which sometimes works. Sometimes works. <laughs> Which is, what have you taken? <laughs> what have you taken out of our conversation today? I am going to be fishing for a new invitation for Mark to go and play with him. You'll be getting it later this afternoon. Okay. Boom! <laughs> Possibly if I could do it earlier, I would. <laughs> it's lovely. That's great. Yeah. Mark? I think um, I just love playing in those those the grey areas between the, you mentioned assumptions. You know, just. It's just not black and white out there. Yeah. And um, we keep meeting people in, in life who are seeing things very in a polarised way. And it's just yeah. lovely to sit around a table with people who are curious. Yeah. And so, thanks. That's what Thank I take you. away. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, people. Pleasure. It's been fun. That was Creative Welly, episode 17. It's been great to have you with us again. Please subscribe in your usual manners. We're on pretty much every platform. If you do have some time as well, watch the video podcast. Really drives home that intimacy and you can see the good humans chatting away there. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. And in that time, keep having courageous conversations with bold humans.